Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Iredale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Tor. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Svarta Bundesliga podcast. Thank you for your patience. Would have loved to have got this out a lot earlier, but of course the uh, the uh, illness gods have decided that it was not time for me to start recording. Uh, so that's why we're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, it was an epic weekend of football. That was match day three. There were some upsets, some not so surprising results, plenty of goals, and what would it be a match day without a few penalties Uh, as well. To help me discuss all the action from Match Day 3 is someone who would normally need no introduction, but he is making his first appearance on the podcast. Someone who has a UEFA Pro license, has coached in the Regenar Liga with teams like TSV Havelsee and Valve B. Oldenburg. Someone with extensive knowledge of the tactical side of the game. It's Alexander Kiener. Alex, thank you for taking the time to speak to us. How are you? Hi, Matthew. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. Uh, nice to be part of the second Bundesliga podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our review. I'm fine. Hopefully you too. On the mend, on the mend. It's been a week in the making, but, you know, we we eventually have uh, passed the fitness tests and uh, the medics have said <laughs> that I've been cleared to play. So we're in the starting 11 once again. Um, we're going to start off with Group One, and there's some really interesting results. And we should start with the top spiel game. That being Hamburger SV and Hertha BSC, 57,000 at the Volkspark Stadion on a very nice evening. And the only thing that was nice was that whatever Hamburg were dishing up, it was beautiful. Very competent performance and a 3-0 victory in the end. Bakri Yatta getting on the score sheet first. Laszlo Benisch scoring from the spot. And then Robert Glatzel from the on a counter-attack making it three. But... um. It was almost to be expected. They were so comfortable throughout this game, Alex. I feel like we should just talk about Hertha because they looked relatively disjointed. Majority of their shots were very low percentage and outside the box. And they look like a team that, A, needs some help in all facets of the game. But what we've seen since that that game is players are leaving. Marco Richter going to Mainz. So it said, I go to Hellas Verona. It's an unhappy team, and they certainly play. They are certainly playing like one that is. Yeah, in my view, it was an easy win for Hamburg, and uh, the result was not a surprise, uh, if I would say. Uh, yeah, Hertha um, had problems. Uh, teams who came down from the Bundesliga often had problems, especially in the first half of the season. You saw it last year with teams like Bielefeld and Fürth, uh, the year before, Bremen, Schalke. It's never easy because uh, you come with less self-confident and, yeah, the, the squad structure often had a radical change and is still not finished. You see it in Berlin. Richter is leaving to Mainz. Uh, Serda is leaving to Italy, to Verona. And the question is always, uh, are all players focused on Hertha? Are they all focused on the second Bundesliga? Uh, you have to accept and assume the league. Uh, you have to accept new targets. And uh, I have a special view to Hertha because uh, I coached Harris Tabakovic in Austria. So he was my former player. 
I transferred him um, from Hungary to Austria and yeah, coached him for one year. Uh, I still have a good relationship to him. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, in all in all, I think it will take time for Hertha to uh, to come uh, to a better performance, and they have to improve their import, uh, performance in the next weeks because. You need results, so they have to make more offensive power. Uh, they have to strike uh, goals, and uh, yeah, all in all, it's a difficult situation, especially for their head coach, uh, Paul Dardai. But yeah, they they have to improve. On the other hand, Hamburg has a well-established team, especially in midfield and in the offense. The players know each other. They have an attractive style of football with clear values and principles. Head coach Tim Walter is leading the squad in the third year now. Yeah, and I really like that offensive style, that ball-oriented style. Although they often take a high risk, especially uh, they conceded too many goals in last season and as well in the first weeks. So the match against uh, Hertha was the first one where they conceded no goal. Um, but, uh, yeah, you see in that match that Hamburg had complete control over the match, especially in the first half, where they were very powerful, where they were very um, efficient, especially players like Benes and Glatzel showed uh, their outstanding performance. And uh, all in all, I also think in the second half that Hamburg defeated a bit more deeper, a bit more in a compact style in periods of the second half and that could be a key factor for the future but uh, yeah you, you have to see how the next weeks will go on so the next match will be in Hanover in my view if Hamburg wants to promote in this season they have to improve their defense the offense is outstanding they have uh, players with a high individual quality but the most important key factor is can they improve their defense to promote and to come back to the German Bundesliga? Absolutely. And the, and the one thing that I reckon Volterball has been criticized for for quite some time is the very one-dimensional, when plan A doesn't seem to work, it, it becomes almost uh, systematic that they don't... Re they'll keep going at it until it eventually works. They're still waiting for Sebastian Schonlau to be healthy. He's just um, coming back from injury. Good chance we could see him, maybe not this week, but in the coming weeks as he gets back on the training track. And you would say him, along with Hansu Kardunic, will be the defensive pairing that was envisioned at the start of the season. They had uh, Ludovic Rice returning from injury as well, um, who started this game. And yeah, I think they could have afforded to sit a bit deeper in the second half and see if Herter had some sort of response. You, you go through the first half, they had the, the Glatzel goal that was... Was, was chalked off. They even had a penalty that was chalked off as well. So they could have easily been 4-5-0 up at the break and you wouldn't have been able to argue it. They were fantastic. Herter, on the other hand, uh, yeah, look, it, at the start of the season, there was, a, there was an acknowledgement that promotion wasn't going to be on the cards for them. The squad seems rather incomplete and as we see players coming and going and seeing whether they can bring more players in before the window ends, you just... I question if Paul Dardai was the right guy to, to go with at the beginning. Being that this is his third stint at the club, his previous stint wasn't particularly impressive, and and the stint before and his inaugural stint, whilst it had flashes in the pan, it wasn't largely impressive either. 
it's really difficult to really judge where they're going to be at the end of the Hinderunde and whether he's going to be there. I know it's very presumptuous to, 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 to question whether they should reconsider, but yeah. I just don't think there's anything about the way they're playing that is convincing enough to suggest that they are heading in the right direction. No goals in three ga- in the opening three games of the season, bottom of the table. And, you know, you've got Furt next week. And Furt have, have shown to be pretty competitive uh, and, and a team that can definitely hold their own uh, and a team that can definitely score goals. Yeah, in my view, there are two main aspects for Hertha in the next few weeks. The first is how fast will they have their squad finished? So uh, they have to find a first 11. They have to find a clear structure within their play. Um, and the second thing is, uh, you said it, uh, is Paul Dardai the right coach for this situation? Um, in the past, he was a bit more like a coach for a defense structure, for a compact style of football. But in the second Bundesliga, yeah, on the one hand, you need uh, uh, power, You you need intensity, of course. You you have to win duels. Uh, That's part of the game. But on the other hand, you need an offensive idea of football. And the question will be for the next weeks and for the season as well, can Paldadai implement an offensive style, uh, offensive principles to create chances to score goals? And these... Uh, facts are, in my view, the main uh, main things. If Hertha can uh, improve, if Hertha can uh, be more up in the table, and that would be uh, an interesting question for the future. That it will. Uh, we'll, we've already covered who Hamburg are playing. They've got Hanover. That's the World Feed game. It is also the top spiel and one that should be a very interesting encounter. We'll talk about Hanover in Group 2. Let's move on to a team that has been mightily impressive uh, since their draw against Wiesbaden on match day one, and that was Magdeburg. They made the journey to the Holstein Stadion on Sunday to take on Kiel. Two sides that really like to get after it, and it was Magdeburg who jumped early. Uh, Lukas Schuler scoring within the opening two minutes of the game. His third of the campaign. He scored in all three games this season. John Huguenet, who is a, who was a new signing in the summer, he started in the number six role, thought he played quite well in that uh, isolated role. Um, he scored on 21 minutes. Then Akil got a couple of goals through Steven Skripsky and club captain Philip Zander. But it was Magdeburg who had the last laugh in the end. It was Luke Castanos who turned in Bell Bell's excellent cross and then former Kiel man and Drisseliga top scorer Ahmed Arslan scored his first goal for Magdeburg in stoppage time to give Christian Tietz's side their second win in a row and currently joining Hamburg on seven points. Both sides are really interesting in terms of their squad makeup, how they want to play. We know Magdeburg want to be seriously ball-heavy, but when you play a side that is also quite competent on the ball, it's quite like Kieler, it's quite interesting to see how they match up. I love what Magdeburg do. I had them as one of my dark horses throughout the season. And just they've got such versatility in the final third. How, how do you view them? If you were coaching against them, how would you try and stop an attack that is so tactically versatile that features the likes of Baris Attic, Lucas Schuller, and Jason Checker? Yeah, you, you said it before. Uh, Magdeburg showed their uh, successful phase with a lot of possession play um, and a very dynamic actions in the offense with players like Attic. 
Um, Amaro Pandey is also a key player for me. And uh, yeah, how would I play against uh, such a team? Um, it's very uh, important to play with high intensity, to um, attack them uh, in their build-up play, for example, to, to attack, to be very active and aggressive, uh, to force them uh, to make mistakes. Uh, so if they are in their possession play and if they can get in dynamic actions, it's always difficult. And in my view, the most uh, important uh, key factor for the win in Kiel was uh, that Kiel made too many errors. I mean, uh, I know uh, head coach Marcel Rapp uh, from Kiel very well because I did my pro license with him. And uh, yeah, he worked successfully in Hoffenheim before, uh, especially with young players in the under-19 team. And uh, you see it uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, he wants to uh, yeah, have the idea of working with young, talented players in Kiel as well. So the squad structure in Kiel changed a bit. They integrated a lot of young players, especially in their defense, like Kleine Bekel, Rote, Sterner. And if you want to develop players, it's uh, part of the process that they make errors. And you saw that against Magdeburg. Uh, Kiel was defensively defective. Too many errors, four conceded goals, uh, and that was not good enough against such an offensive play like Magdeburg did. Um, Kiel had, in my view, uh, a good and strong mentality, so they came back. But in the end, if you want to win matches, uh, you have to improve your defense performance rate. And that is why Magdeburg uh, wins uh, that match. Um, I also really like uh, the style of play from Christian Titz. Um, and in my view, they also made clever transfers before the season. Players like Huguenot, uh, Arslan fit well to the team. And uh, in my view, Magdeburg will play a really good role this season. Uh, it's, it's a quite serious and successful team um, with a grown structure and an implemented yeah, idea of football. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to the upcoming matches from them against Pauli, for example. Uh, yeah, to see how they will go on in uh, the next weeks. And all in all, as I said, you have to make less errors against them. And you have to be yeah, very good uh, in your pressing style. Uh, high pressing, counter pressing. If you do that well against Magdeburg, they make mistakes, especially in their build-up play. And that would be a key factor to have uh, the opportunity to win against them. Yeah, I tend to agree. And one thing we have to talk about with Kiel is last season, out of the teams that didn't get relegated, they did have the worst defensive record in the league. This is a... We, we could say this is a defense in, that's a work in progress. As you mentioned, Alex, bringing in a lot of younger players to, to sort of build a, a nucleus that will be more long-term than some of the players that they had. Because if you look at the sort of the squad mix that they had last season, who were regularly getting minutes compared to now, definitely a lot longer, lot younger, as you mentioned. And look, they still didn't play particularly badly, especially the transitional moments. And then once they got the game to 2-2, they, they started to ask a lot more questions of Magdeburg. Holtby had the effort from long range, which rattled the crossbar. And... Like we know how good they are in the in the in the in the in the, uh, the final third. We saw that we've seen that 
over many years under different managers, whether it's been Anfang, whether it's been Volta, whether it's been Rap, we know how good they are in an attacking sense. But as we saw in this game, when they get defensively rattled, it's quite easy to put a big number on them and Magdeburg were able to do that. Yeah, of course. So Magdeburg has the quality um, yeah, to decide such matches. So if you uh, do too many errors, uh, Magdeburg has a individual quality with players like Artic and so on. Yeah, just to uh, to win that matches. And yeah, the, it's it's a grown structure in Magdeburg. So after the promotion and the first year was a bit different, uh, uh, good periods, bad periods. But in the end, you saw it um, in the second half of the season last year, uh, they improved. Uh, and now uh, the next step will come. I'm I'm sure of that because Christian Titz uh, really makes a, a, a good work, um, a very tactical work uh, with the team. And uh, you see that this team uh, improved a lot in the last months. And yeah, hopefully it will go on because I like that style of football. Yeah, as do I. It's, it's very pretty. And when it's in full flight... Um... They can play some of the best football in the league. I genuinely believe that. And I know that might come yeah, as a and, shock, and, but it's and, true. Yeah, and they, and they play that style of football no matter against which opponent. Uh, at home, away. Uh, and uh, I like that idea that you play your style. Uh, no matter uh, how strong the opponent is. I saw the match from Hanover uh, against Magdeburg last uh, year here in, in my hometown in Hanover. Yeah, and, and they played that style of football uh, here in Hanover and they dominated the match uh, as a promoted team. So uh, this is very interesting and I really like that and hopefully they will go on their way and uh, yeah, perhaps it's it's going upper in the table. Absolutely. They've got St. Pauli on the weekend on Sunday afternoon, which should be a fantastic encounter Kiel are on their way to Gelsenkirk and they'll be playing Schalke. That is the other World Feed game on Friday night. Speaking of Schalke, let's talk about them. Now, prior to their league game, they, they took on uh, Eintracht Braunschweig in the DFB Pokal. They won that game three goals to one. In that game, Schalke had five shots in total, but managed to score three times. Uh, would they be able to provide such witchcraft once again at the Eintracht Stadium just nine days later? No, the answer was no, straight no. Uh, they lost this game by goal to nil. It was a turnover at halfway. Two quick passes opened up the Schalke defence and it was Fabio Kaufmann who scored, beating Marius Muller. And even though both sides really traded chances, uh, Braunschweig were able to take the three points. At the start of the season, like there's a lot of sort of reminders about how vulnerable teams can be when when they're relegated, as you mentioned with Hertha, Alex, Schalke, they've done this before. Two years ago, they came in, everyone thinks they're going to be the world beater, they lose on match day one. Match day two is not too bad, but then they get beaten by a team that everyone thinks they should beat. Uh, that was 4-1 to Jan Regensburg. This game was just, they struggled to really gain control of, of the of the game. Braunschweig, were, for me, Braunschweig were excellent. Hoffman was great in goal, and, and he's a really underrated goalkeeper in my eyes in terms of his individual quality and what he brings in terms of shot-stopping and also playing the ball. But when they were able to link up with Anthony Uja, 
it didn't really seem like Schalke had a plan to not only man mark him because so often he had way too, for mine anyway, way too much space entering the final third. And he was able to not only be a guy who could create shots on goal, but also distributing to find teammates who were in better places to shoot. Yeah, I mean, the first point, uh, as you can see, uh, the league match is different to a cup match. Uh, so you, you can't compare it. Um, I must say it was a really bad and frustrating performance of Schalke because, as you said, they had no idea of a clear offensive structure. They had no creative ideas how to play against the compact style of Braunschweig. Uh, and the next weeks uh, will be interesting because they, they need results and they need a better mm -hmm. performance. And uh, the most important thing is, uh, can they bring the individual quality on the pitch? They have experienced players uh, in midfield and especially with Terada uh, in the center forward. So uh, in my view, the quality is there. But I missed uh, a strategy, especially against that opponent, because, yeah, Braunschweig did it very well with a massive defensive compactness. And they troubled Schalke through transitions. That was the key uh, factor for the match. And uh, yeah, this is also the style of coach Jens Hertel. Uh, he played that in Rostock and Magdeburg as well. Uh, a hardworking squad, a fighting spirit uh, with a lot of sprints, uh, winning duels. Uh, yeah, and, and two main goal options, counter-attacking and set pieces. And that would be enough for Schalke. But uh, in my view, uh, that couldn't be because Schalke had uh, the individual quality of players experienced players in the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga. But in my view, and that's the most important thing, they need a strategy, especially in their offensive game, um, to overpass lines, to find creative solutions, um, yeah, to, to play between the lines or to play uh, on the wings, uh, to, to get behind the last line of, of uh, the opponent. And all that things uh, I couldn't see in Braunschweig. And that's why, in the end, Braunschweig won the match because of their uh, spirit, because of their uh, compactness, and because of uh, yeah, good transitions. Uh, and uh, as, as you said before, uh, Ujja is uh, a main factor for them. Uh, their their uh, center forward, uh, the player uh, you can always play to. Uh, and he has his qualities, especially in the box. Uh, and that is why, yeah, it, it was a little bit of surprising, the result. But if you see the 90 minutes, yeah, uh, Braunschweig was the better team uh, with their fighting mentality and the fans in the background. Uh, and hopefully they can achieve an establishment in the second Bundesliga. Yeah, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um you know, that team spirit that Jens Hartl teams tend to have, they, as you mentioned, they worked really hard. It's all about really compact defense. The one takeaway for me with Schalke is this is something that they have to relearn, which is every team in the division wants to beat, like, what, it's, it's like a trophy, it's like, a, it is almost a metaphoric trophy to beat Schalke because of their, the, the name recognition, they're, they're a giant of German football, Every team is coming to is coming to show more than a hundred percent 
to try and beat them. And we go from last season where they were trying to survive. It was all about doing all the stuff that teams that are trying to avoid relegation in the Spider Bundesliga do. Now you now you're expected to win, and the expectation for Schalke will be direct promotion once again, just like they did two seasons ago. But how much have they really learnt from that previous experience, and how are they going to avoid getting to match day twenty five? Things not going well. Need to change coach. Hope that someone who's in the background will figure it out for us, and we'll win eight of the last nine nine games. As miracle as that was. You can't game plan for that sort of situation, and and it, and I understand that they're integrating new players. They they're trying to figure out which is their best system, who are the best players to unlock that sort of creativity in the final third. So we have to obviously give them time, but you don't want to go ten match days in, sitting in mid table and not having a clear footballing identity, and then wondering what's the next move heading into the winter break? You don't want to leave it too late. And that's, you know, it, it it's it's not danger levels just yet because we're only three match days into the season. But it's something that we, we will have to look at come match day 10, see where De Koenigsblau and are and figure out whether or not um, what their squad is in terms of the makeup and how they can actually optimize that. Um, you know, it'll be a big factor because as we know, the Spider Bundesliga is no dolly. This is one of the hardest leagues to get out of in yep. terms of yeah, getting yeah. promotion. And there are so many teams who have come down from the, the, the from the Bundesliga who have felt we're good enough to go straight back up to the Bundesliga two, three, four, five, six seasons later, and they're still here. And then you just become part of the furniture. You, you don't even feel like you're going to leave here. And as, you know, as long-sighted as that is, these things can happen. Look at what happened to Kaiserslautern. It, it, you know, the the years of falling short nearly killed the club, and Hamburg yep. almost as well. So, yeah, it's quite fascinating. I, what, what has been your initial impression of Schalke though overall? Their first three games in the league, you know, the five three loss at Hamburg, the three nil win against nine men in the end against Kaiserslautern, and the one nil defeat against Braunschweig. It does feel like they're still trying to figure out what the best system is, but also without giving them the free pass at times you you know it can't just be Ovoyan to Toronto they need to find other outlets to 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 really unlock yeah. the full potential of the squad yeah i think um they have to find the right balance between um the spirit on the one hand you have to accept that league uh you have to accept the situation that all teams want to win against you so you have to find, on the one hand, the right spirit, the right mentality for each match. Um, yeah, to to play consistent over 90 minutes in each game. So that's one point. But the other point is, as you said, to find the right solutions against compact teams. And Braunschweig is one example. But there were other teams who play uh, the same style, like Braunschweig did it. And uh, then you have to find solutions uh, in your uh, playing identity. And you have to find uh, more players, not only Terodde, who scores goals. Uh, I still believe that he is a player who can score 15 to 20 goals. But, but in the end, you need more players, especially from the wings or a, a midfield player 
who comes box to box uh, and and uh, yeah uh, scores as well. Um, only Tarotti uh, is is not enough in my view. So that balance between the spirit and the playing identity and to find uh, the players to to find the right squad together that will be uh, yeah the key uh, factors for the next weeks. And Thomas Reis, uh, yeah, it's 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 not easy for him. It's a difficult situation. Um, he had uh, success in Bochum um, in in the past, but uh, Schalke is a very special club uh, with uh, the surroundings, with the fans, with the expectations, and he has to find the right solutions uh, to uh, yeah play a good season. And in the end, the only aim is to promote back to the Bundesliga. Mm. And therefore, uh, it will be interesting if you find that solutions. Absolutely. Uh, we've mentioned they're playing Kiel on Friday night. Braunschweig are on the road. They're heading to Karlsruhe on Sunday afternoon. Let's take our first break. And on the other side, we'll break down our Group 2 games, starting at the Stadion as Hansa Rostock hosted Hanover. Rostock entered match day three, well, top of the table. Two consecutive wins against, you know, beating Elversburg uh, in that incredible game, 2-1 last time out. Hanover, on the other hand, well, they threw away a two-goal lead, although they were very unfortunate to do so in what was a truly bizarrely officiated game. So Hanover made the short trip to Rostock, hoping to get win number one of the season. They looked very strong early on. And the goal scored to open the account was something special. Phil Neumann picking the ball up at halfway, carrying it opposed by Kai Purka, who was desperate to win possession. Neumann does so well. And then chips Marcus Kolker, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the division, from outside the box. The audacity, the, the absolute nerve to even try something like that. But kudos to him. He pulled it off. It was a fantastic goal. But he must have felt like the hero tag had worn off just half an hour later, uh, when Nico Neidhart's cross found his head and Neumann headed into his own goal. It has to be said, though, and I, and I, and I don't blame Neumann for this, it was an unbelievably good cross. And Neumann tried his very best to avoid putting it in his own net. Uh, fantastic header, just the wrong way. As the game entered its crescendo, it could have gone either way. But the referee and the video assistant referee intervening as a contest between Harvard Nielsen and Neidhart resulted in a handling of the ball from Neidhart. Cedric Toykert, who had scored all three of his goals this season from the spot, made it a fourth, and Hanover... I don't know why I've got three, but he scored four goals this season. He has scored four goals this season. We yes, keep, we four. keep, We are keeping that in because it just proves that I am human. The human error, there's always at least one. But anyway, <laughs> Toykert gets his fourth goal of the campaign. He joins Benish and Glatzel with a four pair, and Hanover get win number one. What a fast, what an interesting game in terms of it was quite even for 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 periods of. What was your impression of Hanover? I mean, you you cover a lot of Hanover with with podcasting, yeah. uh, their tactical analysis stuff. What was your impression? Because we know we know what Alia Schwartz is going to bring. They're going to be very solid at the back. Uh, try to get a bit more direct. Yeah. Yusuf Purger in particular, you know, Ingleson is also another player that they 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 they're, they're happy to have back uh, from injury. Um, Hanover, there's a lot of talk about them. 
you know they're trying to get the right mix. How was how was your impression of their performance? Yeah, in my opinion, it was a lucky win for Hanover. Uh, normally, it was a draw game, uh, mm. but the penalty brought the final moment to Hanover. Uh, in my view, it was an intensive game, a fighting game with a lot of duels, especially in midfield. A lot of first and second balls in the air and on the pitch. Uh, the technical quality was not so high in my view. Uh, the data also showed that both teams had problems in possession play with, with a lot of losing balls, a lot of uh, mistakes in the passing game. But both squads were well organized. Uh, Hanover, in my view, improved in their defense compactness mm. to the first matches. Uh, and they brought a very good mentality, uh, especially in their defense style. So they defended uh, the goal very uh, good, uh, especially in the box and in set pieces. And the match also showed, uh, yeah, as you said, curious goals from Neumann with his chip ball in, in the back of Kolke. Uh, with his own goal and uh, the penalty in the end. I felt it a little bit disappointing for Rostock because mm. uh, they started very well in the first yeah, 15, 20 minutes. But in my view, they often made wrong decisions in the last third or they passed not precise enough. And uh, the match showed as well that uh, Rostock uh, had problems in their offense when the opponent is good organized. So mm. Rostock is not a ball possession team. It's it's more a counter-attacking team. But Hanover didn't uh, give them enough space for their transitions. And that was a key factor in my view. Uh, so only uh, in one moment, Rostock could decide the match with the chance of Ingelsen marking the crossbar and the second shot from uh, Frilling in the sky. This was, in my view, yeah, the, the crucial moment, and the second was a penalty. In the end, uh, Hanover was a bit more efficient, although Hansa had more ball possession and game control. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's quite interesting how when Hanover were organized and able to shut down those quick transitions, we know where Hansa want to go. They want to use the two wide players, whether it's Neidhart or Schumacher, but to even accommodate that, we would see Rossipal would get a bit further forward, leaving them with the two defenders with uh, uh, Van der Werf and uh, Rosbach. So keeping that sort of block together, it was quite really... like When they got it going, they did put that Hanover defence under pressure. But as you mentioned, they were certainly a lot more organised than they have been in their first two games. I thought they were awful against Elversburg in the yeah. opener and they had no right getting a point in that game. They were improved against Nuremberg and were very unlucky in a game that saw three penalties um, and one game that I don't think any of us will want to forget or want to remember for that matter. Again, much better. It does seem that the, the combination of Mbay, Bright, um, sorry, Bright Mbay, Ray Mbay, Halstenberg and Neumann, that seems like the, the right back three. Um, you know, Halstenberg can, of course, get further forward. We've seen... Uh, Neumann will do that as well, whereas um, Orion Bay will, will sit a bit deeper. But I, yeah, I think that it's improved, but there's still issues in all three areas for them. They obviously like Kunter and Christiansen as the pivot players in that in that system. Do you think that's the best system for them, or is it 
potentially maybe a bit too defensive because you know Kunsu is is known for being someone who toes the line a little bit with his aggression and the way he likes to play but he's still quite a good technical ball player um do you think that's the best system the best combination available for Hanover or is there maybe someone in the market it we we don't know if we'll see Bushushkov again do you think that's the best system for them going forward um, I think there are uh, three aspects. So one aspect is the match plan from Stefan Leitl for this match was a bit different to the first matches. So he wanted to stay a bit deeper. He wanted to uh, yeah, be more in the block, to work together in a block and to give Rostock the ball. Um, in my view, um, the system... Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, different. So uh, they play at the moment a 3-5-2. In my view, um, it could be better to play a back four with players like uh, Halstenberg, Eze, Neumann. But uh, it's a system Leitl wants to play. Uh, he played it in the preseason. He played it uh, in, in the first matches. And in my view, he, he doesn't want to change the system. But it could be an option for the next weeks to play with a back four and then to play more in a 4-3-3, for example. Mm. Um, uh, talking about midfield, um, I felt um, that the type of players, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to say. I want to have more a player for the ball possession game. In mm. my view, Christiansen... Um, and uh, Kunze are same players mm. from, the, from the type of a play. Uh, and in my view, uh, it's better to have a number eight, for example, uh, to create more things uh, to the offense uh, and to, to uh, get dynamic actions, uh, yeah, to, uh, to, to come box to box, uh, to help the players in front, to create more chances, to play more forward. So, in my view, Hanover has to play uh, more forward passing uh, with actions uh, in the deep. They have a lot of individual quality uh, with players like Teuchert, like Schaub, Kuhn. Uh, very uh, yeah, talented and uh, uh, agility players. But, um, yeah, they have to improve their ball possession play. And they have to improve... Uh, um, the actions to the offense and that would be perhaps a key for the next weeks uh, we will see it against Hamburg if they can improve that uh, because in Rostock uh, they played in a very defensive style that was successful but if you want to get better as a team if you want to uh, come up the table uh, they have to improve their offensive style of football in the next weeks and that would be the key Absolutely. I wonder if they would possibly think of maybe implementing Enzo Leopold um, or Marius Vuhl, who they signed from uh, 1860 Munich in the summer. Um, maybe if they want yeah, to... Yeah, Leo, Leo, Leopold is, for for example, a player uh, who can do that on, on uh, uh, number eight. Uh, so uh, in my view, it's a young player, yes, uh, of course, but he has a quality to, to pass forward to be more creative uh, in, in central midfield. And um, um, in my view, the midfield is always the heart of a team. 
And in my view, Hanover has to improve uh, that hard, uh, yeah, to to get up in the table. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, Rostock, they've got Osnabrück, and we've already mentioned Hanover. They're returning home. They've got Hamburger SVL on Saturday nights. Speaking of Osnabrück, let's talk about them. They welcome Nuremberg to the Bremer Brücke on Sunday. The last time Osnabrück were home in the league, it was a 2-3 defeat to Karlsruhe. Well, Lightning struck twice. They were beaten three goals to two, but this time they were 3-0 down before they got on the board. Uh, it was a very good and improved performance from Nuremberg. They seem to have built from their comeback uh draw against Hanover. Chan Uzan seems to be a real player and he scored once again. Uh, this time, uh, this one was an open play goal. Uh, he's got three for the season. Lucas Schleimer scored a thunderbolter that literally went through Leonard Grill like he was a piece of Swiss cheese. Uh, and Benjamin Gola, after a really poorly defended set piece from Osnabrück, uh, he tapped home to make it three. And at three nil after 85 minutes, you think, Game's gone, nothing to play for. Just keep it nice and tight and compact. But someone forgot to tell Christian Conte that because he scored twice in the space of three minutes and made it very uncomfortable for Nuremberg. But for Christian Fiel, he gets his first win as Nuremberg coach and Tobias Schweinsteiger will have to wait for that honour. Really loved what Nuremberg were doing in the attacking phases. They certainly were able to put what is still a relatively weak Osnabrück defence and goalkeeping performance. I was not particularly thrilled with what Leonard Grill was doing. Um, and he was lucky. There was a there was a, a goal that was given offside in the end uh, through, through uh, the, the VAR, uh, through Okanuki, where he completely fumbled the ball on a pretty uncontested claim. I'm a little bit worried about Osnabrück. They've conceded six goals already at home. Six of the seven goals this season have been conceded. Um, what should be the fortress? It it seems like anyone with a modicum of attacking game plan is going to be able to play, play through them. And we did see in the actions where Nuremberg were able to get through the quick transitions or take advantage of the, the, the line that Osnabrück were playing, they were able to successfully find ways to either get good shots on goal or eventually score. Yeah, of course. So all in all, an earned win for Nuremberg uh, because Nuremberg uh, yeah, was the better team, especially in ball possession and in creating moments uh, within uh, the match. Uh, they created more chances. Uh, they were better in their strategy, in their possession play. Um, I know Christian Fjell very good as well because I also did my pro license with him. He's a very ambitious and emotional coach with his uh, Spanish roots. Uh, he also likes the Spanish style of football, like uh, Barcelona is playing. So we know uh, we are not in Spain. We are in, in Germany in the second Bundesliga. But he wants to implement that uh, kind of football uh, to Nuremberg. Uh, yeah, to, to play uh, possession play, uh, to uh, play uh, yeah, very active. Uh, he wants to have the ball as much as possible, and he wants to create, uh, yeah, uh, uh, a special style. Uh, he also changed a bit the squad uh, from the first matches, so he integrated more young players. You said it, Uzun, 
uh, also Ali Loon uh, from the under-23 team. Nathaniel Brown is also a young player with uh, a high potential. Mm. So, yeah, in my view, Nuremberg was strong uh, with uh, a clear uh, lead over 85 minutes. Uh, the match showed that uh, they are very focused and concentrated. But in the end, uh, yeah, it, 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 was, uh, it was surprising um, that they lost their um, compactness, that they made uh, mistakes, uh, especially in the additional time. And they had a bit of luck in the end. But all in all, the three points uh, were, uh, yeah, were very earned. Osnabrück, on the other hand, yeah, was very close in realizing a draw in the end. But the 85 minutes before, the performance was, in my view, not good enough. Too many mistakes, uh, not compact enough, not aggressive enough. Uh, you said it, they had problems uh, uh, on the one hand uh, to defend, especially the transitions from Nuremberg. On the other hand, they had problems to create own chances. Um, I also think the impact from uh, players like Conte and Kehl was good to see. Uh, but... Uh, it will be a hard and fighting season for Tobias Schweinsteiger and his team. Of course, you see that the difference between the third and the second Bundesliga is high and uh, they have to adapt uh, in this new league uh, and they uh, need, yeah, on the one hand, a, a better rest defense, especially in transition actions, and they need more uh, power and solutions in the offense. Uh, with less mistakes in passing. Uh, and it will be interesting for the next weeks if they can improve that. But yeah, of course, it will be a hard season. Yeah, I, I think there was a, an acknowledgement heading into the campaign that Osnabrück were going to be a side that would be fighting in that sort of bottom six and trying to do what they did last time they were in the Spider Bundesliga under Daniel Tune, which was survive in the first campaign. But yeah, I it's really difficult to, to get a grasp on them because they were much improved against Paderborn away from home. They were a lot more defensively compact, less mistakes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always the, 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 the excitement of playing in front of the home fans, but defensively, they're just, they're not yeah. in sync. And Nuremberg, who were equal worst in terms of goals scored last season with only 32, they made them look pretty good. And and as much as they've improved in terms of player personnel, um, you know, Hayashi had his moments still seeking goal number one. Okanuki is someone that is has got quite a uh, bit of potential. And you mentioned Nathaniel Brown, who, who Hecking brought in uh, late last season and I thought was really good. Won the left-back job over, over Tim Hanverker, who's someone who's got Bundesliga experience as well. So they're building a nice little young nucleus of players who can, maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but in the next few seasons, if they continue, if they build with Christian Fiel, a team that could be one that we should keep out, keep a lookout for in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's often easier for promoted teams like uh, Osnabrück to play in away matches because you can uh, give the ball to the opponent, you can stand a bit deeper. Uh, you can uh, play uh, your own game with transitions. Um, and it's it's more difficult to play at home uh, with the expectation of the fans. Um, 
with uh, yeah, uh, you have more the ball, you have to find solutions, uh, and you see that uh, it's really difficult for a team uh, like Osnabrück, um, yeah, to to make the game to to find solutions, uh, and yeah, they they didn't have the compactness as well against Nuremberg and yeah that's why in my view it it was an earned win for Nuremberg uh, a talented squad from Christian Fjell and uh, I find it very good that he uh, integrated such young players and some experienced players uh, uh, are on the bench so uh, yeah uh, it's it's good that he has this courage to do that and uh, yeah the the way from Nuremberg uh, will be uh, to uh, integrate that players to to create an own style. So uh, the last season was very difficult for Nuremberg with three coaches mm-hmm. and uh, different styles of football. Uh, yeah, as we saw uh, from uh, Markus Weinzier, for example, mm-hmm. uh, who, who did it more in a in a defense style. And uh, Christian Fjell is changing a lot. Uh, it takes time, I think, but uh, the team is on the right way. I want to ask you this as someone who's coached at a professional level. How important is establishing a footballing identity with the cast of players that you have? Because we know that like this Nuremberg team is is not a 14th place side. Like they've got enough talent to at least be in the upper, you know, in that mid table area as a base. Um, how 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 do you you know from your time as a as a as a professional coach how would you go about implementing the 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 style or the the way you want you know the basics of how you want your teams to play? In my view, it's very important to implement an own style of football uh, for the own club for the players. They want to see yeah what's the idea of the coach, how we want to play uh, against the ball with the ball. Um, they wanted to see if you have solutions as a coach and uh, if you can implement it. And on the other hand, uh, within the club, uh, within the fan base, they also want to see uh, a clear style of football. Uh, most of all, an offensive style of football. Um, um, they they don't like uh, it to play defense uh, defensively. So, uh, it's it's really important uh, to have that idea in you and to try to implement it to the players, to the whole club, not only to the professional team, but also to the youth academy. So um, it's really important to have that idea for the whole club. And uh, um, yeah, young players uh, who will have a future in the club, if they all have the same idea of thinking and talking about football and training and, and playing in that style. Yeah, it could be a good fit for the club, for the future, for, for the next years, uh, that young players will have the chance to come from the youth academy to the professional team. And uh, that is why, uh, yeah, my view is uh, that you need a playing identity for the whole club. I love that. That is amazing insight. And uh, greatly appreciate it. And it helps us understand, you know, what teams are going for and why they want to play a certain way. And obviously with Nuremberg having a new coach, it's going to take a bit of time for that system to to really show itself. And hopefully, 
you know, Fiel will get a little bit more time than what he had previously um, with Dynamo Dresden. We should make a move to a team that likes to play quite attacking football. That would be Paderborn. But they are win- they were winless heading into the third match day of the season when they made their journey to Dusseldorf. But they weren't waiting around. Uh, it took them five minutes to open the scoring. Excellent bit of football from Kurda to find uh, Christian Kinsombi, and he plays a wonderful diagonal ball from the byline to find Florent Moslier to open the scoring. From there, it was all Dusseldorf. They had an abundance of chances through Appelkamp, Ginsek, uh, insert Dusseldorf player because they were all over them. And they did get their goal on 57 minutes. An excellent set piece finding Jordi Device, who headed home to make it 1-1. And with Dusseldorf pressing for a second, as they say, you're at your most vulnerable when you've just scored and just moments later, they conceded. Turnover in their own offensive third. A quick transition to Philip Bilbeer. Gets the two-on-one. Lays it off to Sir Lloyd Conte. And Conte scores past the extended contract man, Florian Kastenmeier. And even though Dusseldorf kept knocking at the door, they couldn't find a way past Yannick Hoot. And it was a win, a much-needed win for Lukas Kwasniok, who gets Paderborn up and running we were talking about this off-air, about the way Paderborn were hoping to look, especially away from home. They love to play a bit more on the counter, pacey players. They had Bill Beer and Conte up front, and it requires them to be extremely efficient. We saw Dusseldorf had, what, 27 shots on goal in this game to 10. When you need to be in that moment, and for Paderborn, when the chances came, they made the most of them. Yeah, it was a bit a different game because uh, not the better team won the match, uh, but the more efficient team uh, uh, won it. And um, it was a bit different because normally Paderborn is a team who wants to dominate, uh, who wants to play with a high risk. And in this match, uh, clearly they, they had a good start uh, with uh, the goal of Muslia. But after that, after the first 10, 15 minutes, Düsseldorf dominates the whole match. Uh, but in the end, in the last third, Düsseldorf was not consequent enough. Uh, a killer instinct was missing. And yeah, in the end, the counterattack uh, of Conte was the moment the match was decided. But yeah, it, it was a bit different because uh, Düsseldorf, with all the experienced uh, and quality players, did not find the right efficiency uh, yeah, to, to score uh, and to to find the right decisions in the last third. And uh, that's why uh, Paderborn uh, won the match. Uh, and the question for the next weeks uh, in Düsseldorf will be, do they have this efficiency in offense? Do they have that striker for uh, 15 to 20 goals? Uh, so they lost uh, uh, the player to Bremen. Uh, who, who scored a lot in the last season. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they have to find their new squad. They have to find their new striker. Uh, and the match against uh, Paderborn showed uh, they need that efficiency to realize their aims. So the ex- expectations in Dusseldorf are always very high. Um, Klaus Alofs uh, and uh, his crew... They, they want to promote in the Bundesliga uh, in, in the future as, as soon as possible. And so the expectations within the club, uh, within the fan base are very high. 
And uh, the questions for the next weeks will be, yeah, can they be more efficient? Can they win those matches like uh, against Paderborn? Uh, and on the other hand, Paderborn is a very talented squad uh, and a team, in my view, for the top five. Yeah, I mean, they've got all the pieces. Uh, the thing on Dusseldorf, it was always going to be difficult to replace David Kovnatsky, Ruven Hennings as well, going to Zanhausen. It was a question mark of, can you trust Daniel Ginchek to give you that 10 to 15 goals? We know his history as someone who doesn't play full seasons, is rather injury-prone as an individual. You know, Vincent Vermeer, who they signed from Freiburg's Fire, is someone that they're has never played at this level and is going to take a bit of time to integrate. So I, you sense that there's going to be a little bit of growing pains until they can figure out who is their best number nine in the system that they like to play, which is the one striker up top, getting guys like Eyoa and Klaus bombing down the wings. It's going to take a bit... I feel like it's going to be a pretty painful experience early on then um, until they can find something um, going forward. But you're right, Paderborn... Had to almost think outside the box in a way that we not we wouldn't associate with them over the last few seasons, whether it's been Kwasniewski, uh, uh, unbelievable, I was making up names, Kwasniewski <laughs> or um, Stefan Baumgart, and they just proved, I think, in, in a very positive way for them that if they do come up te- against teams like uh, Hamburg away or, or Magdeburg away, um, that they've got. They, they have a game plan that can very much work as long as they are efficient. And in this game, they justified that, um, you know, it, it, you know they just thought they could do that. Now, we did speak off here about Max Kuzo, who who's going to miss a bit of time through the, through the injury. Um, and this game could definitely have looked a bit different and the way Kwasniok might have game planned for this game would have been different. As we've seen... Um, with the, the opening two games, we've seen them play almost a triangle in the front three with Kuzer playing as the as the number nine. But for me, the way that Paderborn want to play, I like the concept of them having pacey, maybe less technical players, but guys who can break lines, get behind defences, and you just got to hit and hope that they'll be efficient in front of goal. I don't know how you see it, Alex, but that's how I would... You know, Kuzer is, an, is a really... Gr- good technical player, but maybe not as a number nine. Like I'd take him as a 10 with two attacking, two, you know, two, two quick players up top. But uh, how, how do you see it as someone who's, you know, had experience in coaching a variety of different players? Yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, uh, I also think that uh, I like this style of Kvasniok's play. It's, it's a game identity with a high risk, uh, of course. Uh the second thing is um, Paderborn has a strong variety of players in the offense. Uh, they can play different systems. Uh, they can play with different types of players. You have speed players like Conte. Uh, you have more technical players like Max Kruse, which I know very well from my time in Bremen. Um, you are right. Uh, Max is not a player normally for the number nine because he's uh, more a player between the lines. So a player more for position 10. But um, if he plays in front, um, he's very intelligent. 
to to uh, come more in midfield uh, and to to uh, force uh, the opponent to come with him. And then, then in the back, uh, there's space for players like uh, Conte or other uh, speed players. So the, the variety of players uh, and the variety of, of uh, principles can be a key factor for Paderborn uh, yeah, to play that uh, offensive style of football. The main question for me, and that is uh, a conclusion of the last season, what is, uh, what is about their defense? Mm. So uh, they had matches uh, in the uh, last year, 4-4, uh, uh, 5-3. So uh, uh, they conceded too many goals because of that high-risk football. Uh, and in my view, the main point is can they get the right balance between their uh, offensive style and uh, yeah, uh, the rest defense uh, and the right structure not to concede too many goals? If they can do that, uh, it's a team with this talent on the one hand, so talented players, and on the other hand, experienced players like Kruse. Uh, and this combination uh, could be uh, yeah, a team for the top five, perhaps for the top three, uh, but it depends on the right balance. Yeah, and balance is key. And also, um, opponents, whoever they play, whether it's home and away, and how you know, no two games are the same. And in, in in terms of how you want them to play in possession, uh, in you know, whether it's going to be in a low block defensively. So yeah, gameplay game. I think the great thing about Paderborn, um, and I think the the advantage they have is. You know, game plan identity. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get from them. Um, but it was good to see a, something a little bit different off the ball uh, from them. So they definitely have worked on some things during the summer and uh, against some of the higher quality teams or teams that we expect will be in the promotion hunt. Uh, they definitely have a bit more versatility, even though in terms of personnel, they definitely have that in spades. Uh, Paderborn have got Kaiserslautern. Dusseldorf will be making the journey to Elversburg. Speaking of Kaiserslautern and Elversburg, we'll be talking about those two teams to lead off our group three games in just a moment. Two sides seeking their first wins of the campaigns were Kaiserslautern and Elversburg. They met on Friday night in front of more than 42,500 Elversburg have come close, agonizingly close to, to maximizing points, but were denied in Hanover and then painfully denied in Saarbrücken, their neighborhood, their neighborhood stadium, against Rostock, whereas Kaiserslautern were close against St. Pauli and reduced to nine men against Schalke. They got off to a good start, though, Kaiserslautern. They scored uh, from the spot. Kevin Krauss uh, beating Christoph uh, to make it 1-0, and that's how it stayed. But uh, Elversburg were in a hurry in the second half and just seconds into the commencement of the second half, Manuel Fiel scored just a brilliant team goal straight from the kickoff. Kaiserslautern had no idea what was going on. They made it two on 62 minutes when Samir Shahin got his first fight at Bundesliga goal and, and Horst Steffen football was in full effect. But Dirk Schuster went to his trump card 
bringing Ragnar Ake on and instant success. Ake scoring on 68 minutes and then Jean Zimmer, Captain Fantastic, scoring just 11 minutes from normal time to give Kaiserslautern their first win of the season in what was another entertaining game. What we're experiencing with Elversburg is that they're fun to watch. They are willing to play their style of football that was successful from the previous two divisions. But but defensively, it is problematic. They've conceded two or more goals in all three um, of their games this season. And this high-risk, high-reward football has its perks, especially in in the attacking third. But defensively, they are really struggling, and it's been proven time and time again uh, throughout the you know the short sample size we have that uh, some tinkering is in order for them. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, I believe it was a really impressive match in Kaiserslautern. Uh, a great respect for the performance of Eversburg. Uh, I really like that play of football. Um, I saw the first match in Hanover in the stadium. And I must say, yeah, Eversburg impressed me a lot with their strategy and possession play. They really play football from zone to zone um, with a lot of creating passing combinations. Uh, They created a lot of chances. Uh, The second goal in Kaiserslautern was a good example uh, with a double pass within the box and the scoring of Shahin. And um, yeah, you said it all in all, they have two big problems. On the one hand, uh, the efficiency uh, in Hanover, they had 23 shots on the goal. In Kaiserslautern, 21, but they only scored twice. On the other hand, two goals in away matches must be good enough to win that matches. Mm. So the other main problem is the rate of mistakes and the misbehavior in their defense. Uh, they have a lot of problems in their lines, in their compactness. Uh, especially to get access in the tight spaces and uh, especially in uh, one-on-one duels. Um, and yeah, it's it's typical, typically for, for a team who promoted from the third to the second division um, that, uh, yeah, they conceded too many, too many goals, uh, especially uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, and uh, we, we talked about balance. Um, talking about other teams and yeah, this balance is also a main aspect for for Eversberg. Once more, I really like that idea of football. Uh, Fun, uh, attractive, uh, an offensive style. I I really like the principles. I can see it's a clear uh, match idea uh, from Eversberg. But on the other hand, as a promoted team, uh, you have to find the right balance uh, to defend better, to uh, concede less goals. And that would be uh, the main aspect uh, for the future, for the season, uh, if they can establish in the second Bundesliga. Uh, on the other hand, Lautern showed uh, a very good and strong mentality, a willpower after the lead of Eversberg. Uh, in my view, Lautern still have a lot of problems in their defense as well. Mm. Uh, especially in defending in the box, um, in terms of agility, in terms of speed problems. But they, but they have that quality and experience in their offense to uh, turn such a match. Uh, you, you can see it, uh, that they can bring players from the bench with an impact. Uh, if you think of uh, Ache uh, and Hanslik, so uh, this variety of players 
this experience of players need uh, or, or help them to to turn that match. And uh, yeah, uh, the next weeks uh, for uh, Coach Schuster, um, yeah, are, are very interesting because um, they have a very experienced squad. But the question is, are they good enough um, for the upper region? Can they improve their defense style? Can they improve their performance over the 90 minutes? Uh, and yeah, it will be interesting to see that. Yeah, tend to agree. And and we know how hard um, playing Kaiserslautern at the Fritz Walter Stadion was last season. You know, the team that picked up more points than any side coming from uh, losing positions. And when they, and you could just see it, when Ake gets the second goal to, to bring it back to 2 2, even though Elversburg had their chances, there was just this weird feeling that Kaiserslautern might get the third. The one thing that, you know, Elversburg will be really annoyed with is if you look at the two goals they gave up in the second half, both balls were, you know, both were crosses from wide areas. Zimmer is, and Ake were both virtually unmarked. The Zimmer goal, you know, he could have even taken a touch if he wanted, like like a few touches if he felt like it. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's just classic Dirk Schuster football. They fight hard. You know, they don't, they don't know when they're beaten. And that was an Elvisberger learning this really quickly. Um, in all three games they've played against Hanover, Rostock. Now, Rostock won, you know, they gave up goals in minutes 100 and 103. Um, but if you, if you, you've got to play all 90 minutes. This, this is the hard thing about, you know, the, the, the mentality of football is they, they're learning, they're, these are the growing pains of, being a high risk, high high reward team, the rewards were great. They played some, they play some champagne football, and it's so good to watch. And you know, when I eventually get to go to Germany, they're going to be one of the teams I want to see. They're 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 awesome. Unfortunately, the caveat is that is they give up some pretty soft goals, and on the weekend they were guilty of on Friday night they were guilty of that. And you know, until they can find a defensive four mix that is not going to lose concentration in key moments we're still we're going to see all these three threes and two fours and two one games where they look great we'll rave about how good their football is but at the end of the day you've got to get results and you know this is this is part of the learning curve for them but they you know if they go a few more match days without uh securing a victory then then the question becomes of how much do you want to change the way you play to ensure that it becomes a bit more result orientated. Yeah, uh, I mean I mean uh, the style of uh, Eversburg is much more attractive uh, than uh, the football from Kaiserslautern. Hmm. But in the end you said it, you need results. Uh, you have to be concentrated uh, till the last minute, um, sometimes in additional time as well. And uh, the main point for Kaiserslautern is they have the belief in their quality till the last minute. And especially with the stadium in the back, the fans, uh, the power uh, in that stadium, they believe in it. Uh, and I often uh, saw matches where Kaiserslautern uh, won uh, in the last minutes. Uh, and they have that variety of players uh, to come from the bench, 
to bring an impact and uh, the match uh, on last weekend uh, was uh, yeah the, the, the best point to see that absolutely absolutely uh, we've already mentioned who both will be playing Elversburg get Fortuna Dusseldorf I think that will be in Elversburg so the um, uh, the Kaiser Linda will have its first fight at Bundesliga game Kaiserslautern they're in Paderborn that will be a fascinating game to see how both those teams decide to tackle the encounter. Let's head to the Britta Arena, the other Friday night game. It was Van Wiesbaden against Karlsruhe. Just one goal separating the two sides. And yes, it was Wiesbaden who won this game. Uh, Hyunju Lee with an excellently curling ball uh, on 22 minutes to beat uh, Patrick Drewers. And that was enough. It was another strong defensive display from Wiesbaden. Uh, a second consecutive clean sheet for them. Um, and one thing that's probably stood out compared to their last foray into the Svarta Bundesliga is they're a far more defensive compact side. They don't give up as many high quality chances. I felt Karlsruhe had a real difficulty uh, getting into the box and, and actually testing Florian Stritzel, who was brilliant in this game, you know, make no mistake about it. But um, yeah, I... I I, I like what Wiesbaden are doing. They, they work really hard. You know, you look at their 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 stats and they're really putting in high-octane effort when when required, especially at the defensive end. But uh, I feel like Christian Eichter would be extremely frustrated with the performance because, they've for me, they're, they've got the quality of player. Uh, they were, you know, they were able to still get, you know, 14 shots on goal, but... None of those were outside the box and were low quality. And it's hard to win games of football when you're not able to, you know, get in behind the defense and, and find solutions to get your players like um, like Lars Stindl, for example, um, into great attacking areas. Same with Schleusner as well. You know, I think I think Wiesbaden defended him particularly well as, as one of, you know, Karlsruhe's better offensive options. Yeah, of course. Um, in my view, uh, Karlsruhe is a bit of a secret favorite, mm. in my view, because um, of the transfers uh, with Stindl, uh, as well, Bornic, Matanovic, uh, very talented players. Mm. And together with uh, players like Gondorf, Vanicek, uh, Schleusener, I think they, they feed a good variety of players in their center, and especially in the offense. And uh, the first two matches made a bit of an appetite, but the match in Wiesbaden was a bit uninspired in my view. Mm. So especially if you think uh, of the situation after the leading goal from Lee, uh, Karlsruhe didn't find the right solutions in their offense. Um, they, they didn't uh, crack Wiesbaden uh, and the defeat was in my view, disappointing. Uh, and they have now the order to play better against Braunschweig uh, to uh, come uh, to the successful track again. And on the other hand, Wiesbaden is the unbeaten promoted club. Mm. Why are they successful in the first matches? Uh, I think Markus Korczynski set up a team with a really good defensive structure. Mm. A 5-4-1, so uh, the back five and uh, the, the midfield line with four players. So nine players um, who are really uh, strong, who are really compact, and they don't give uh, a lot of space for the opponent. Uh, the data analysis also showed uh, they, they run a lot, they sprint a lot, 
uh, and they defend consequent, uh, especially in the box, especially in set pieces. Uh, and yeah, one one goal from Lee, a very good one, uh, realized uh, that three points. And if you have a look at the table, uh, seven points uh, are a really good start. But yeah, in my view, it's clear they need that points uh, for the target to establish in the second Bundesliga. Um, it's not a team uh, for the upper table. Uh, it's a promoted team. Uh, but uh, the difference between Wiesbaden and the other promoted teams is the defense. Mm. Uh, and you see that uh, in the first matches. They conceded no goal in Berlin. They conceded no goal against uh, Karlsruhe. Yeah, and that uh, is uh, the main base why they are successful at the moment. Yeah, and you know... Every American coach will tell you, um, in, in, no matter what sports, um, you know, defense wins championships. Now, we're not claiming that Wiesbaden are going to win a championship here. That's, let's be real here. Um, but they, they're building the foundation of a team that is going to be, um, we're going to make you try and pass around us. And if you can't, then we're okay with that. And they've shown against, you know, quality opponents like Karlsruhe, to do what they did in, in Berlin, where, you know, they, some will call it a lucky punch, but ultimately they found the back of the net. So th at that point, it, it, it becomes irrelevant. Um, and even against Magdeburg, they were very impressive. When they went down to 10 men, uh, they were quite good and they got their goal when they were uh, from set piece. So they've, they've still got players coming back. Um, you know, Julius Carter, who they signed from Dresden, someone who's very talented, didn't get on the pitch in this game, but. Yeah, like it. Kalchinski likes teams to be solid, solid in the low block, make it very difficult for teams to score. You look at their pass maps; that the highest three pass usage guys on the weekend were their back three, were well, three of the back five, um, but because in the central areas, and you know, you would expect someone like Kalchinski with such experience at this level to know how to set a team up against a very strong offensive unit like Karlsruhe and make it very difficult for them. And they did. It might not have been pretty to watch, but, you know, pretty doesn't always get you three points. We've spoken about that with Elversburg, and you have to credit Wiesbaden in the opening three games. Now, whether they can sustain that over the course of a season, we'll find out, but there's a lot to like with their defensive setup. And it also helps, you know, if we, we haven't spoken a lot about the goalkeeping this weekend, but um, the previous weekend, but having a good, experienced goalkeeper like Florian Stritzel was certainly helping maintain the stability of that defensive unit. Yeah, of course. So it, it is a bit more like a pragmatic style of football. Uh, in my view, uh, I know Markus Koczynski. Yeah, he's he's a pragmatic coach. So uh, it's not like a strong uh, game identity, but uh, it's more uh, the thinking of, yeah, what is the best for my team? What is the best for the individual quality we have? And it's, it's clear it's a promoted team. They don't have uh, the same quality like other teams in the second Bundesliga, especially uh, the upper teams. So, yeah, the, the strategy is based uh, on the quality of his team uh, and uh, on the situation. And at first, as a promoted team, it's, it's uh, yeah, important to defend in the block, to defend very compact and aggressive, uh, not to give any space, uh, especially for... Uh, uh, experienced uh, and quality team like Karlsruhe, 
yeah, and they did it well. Uh, and it's uh, the second match uh, in a row uh, not to concede a goal. Uh, and yeah, it, it will be interesting if they can go on that way in the next matches. But uh, they have to uh, uh, make point for point just to realize their establishment in the second Bundesliga. Yeah, every point for them will be very vi- will be vital and it all counts till at the end of the season. We'll head to our final game. It's Grotefurt St. Pauli. This would not normally be our last game of the match day, but um, 0-0 your final score. It was, we'll call it frustrating from both ends. Neither side really could make the most of their high quality, well, the rare high quality chances. It was a very defensive sort of encounter. Lots of passing, uh, but not a lot of real solutions in the final third. Both teams had chances late. Uh, you look at Dennis Sabeni and Hugota in the final couple of, you know, final 10 minutes. Andreas Alves was good when he came on. And, and one thing we should talk about with St. Pauli, as they've defended well, they've equal best defense so far out of the opening three games, along with Wiesbaden. But uh, for a team that has such a an interesting way of, the, of how they want to play, they have a real problem in the final third. Only two goals in games where you'd expect them to be a bit more offensively active um it seems like they, they they still haven't really figured out who is the best number nine in that offensive three yeah you're completely right uh, so first of all i feel it was a good draw so you often have matches without a goal uh, who are not attractive uh, this was uh, a match which was attractive in my view but uh Pauli struggles a bit in my view the development under Fabian Hörzeler is still amazing. So the, the structure, uh, the organization uh, on the pitch, the possession play are at a very high level and standard. But you are right, uh, they still don't uh, have a goal-getter. So Albers is a good transfer in my view, but um, he's not uh, the one who will strike uh, or mark 15 to 20 goals. Mm. So um, the question for the season is, uh, do they can have more players in their offense to score goals? Mm. So they don't have uh, the one player, so they have to find solutions uh, to to mark or to score uh, with the three, four or five players. to have a special rate of, of uh, scoring. Uh, and uh, the match in uh, third shows uh, that problem. Um, and yeah, um, if not, it could be an offensive problem for the whole season. And if you want to get one of the top positions in the league, uh, they have to find solutions for that. Perhaps they will make a transfer again in the, in the next weeks, possibly. Um, on, on the other hand, uh, they have a squad, they have players in midfield, on the wings and with Albers. And uh, it's uh, the target for Fabian Hörzler, uh, yeah, to create uh, principles, to create situations where more players can uh, score or, or create chances, as, as first of all. Uh, and that is a key for the next weeks. Uh, on the other hand, Fürth showed that they have a strong match idea, controlling the game uh, for large parts of the uh, match. I really like the pressing style of Alex Zorniger. 
uh, it's sometimes a bit wild and not efficient enough. Uh, they had 16 shots uh, on the goal, but uh, all in all, Fürth is a very yeah young squad with interesting players, um, and I think they will improve. Uh, they have to learn to be more constantly uh, within the 90 minutes. Uh, in Kiel, they played, for example, a, a top first half, but lost the match in the second half. Uh, against Pauli, the decision-making uh, and the final scoring had to be better. But uh, I believe in Alex Sorninger's style of play and in the identity in Fürth. It's, it's a clear flagship for young players. So that's the idea of the club, uh, to, to uh, get young players, to develop them, uh, and then yeah, to make the next step with them. So a clear flagship in uh, the second Bundesliga for the development of young players. Uh, and that's why I feel that Fürth is a very interesting club with a clear strategy and Alex Horniger fits to the club. And uh, yeah, it, it's very interesting to see that. Yeah, and you look at the the, the starters they had on, on the weekend, Lempele, you know, a, a German youth player, a <clears throat> German international youth player, uh, Wagner, uh, Maximilian Dietz, Itter, uh, Urbic in goals, who, you know, if you've listened to the podcast many times, I have uh, waxed lyrical about how much I rate him as a, as a goalkeeper. And um, yeah, look, they are definitely building something. It, it's, um, yeah, I actually quite like the, the way they go about it. It's um, especially out of possession. You know, we get to see a good mix of counter-pressing and, you know, trying to win the ball back. And, you know, sometimes we, the question that I had, for good chunks of last season was how consistently could they do it. Um, but I, th I think they've found a balance where they can have phases in games where they can be super aggressive trying to win the ball, but also they've shown that they can be quite a, 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 um, a competent team on the ball. And when they get the ball forward, you know, their, their main source is to get it to Hugota. And he's quite such an intelligent player to have in that number 10 role where he's, He's either going to be an excellent distributor out to the two uh, to the two wing backs who who are, who are bowing back, whether it's Asta or, or Mayerhofer, um, or he can shoot. He, he's been proven he can shoot from anywhere. We saw it in Kill where he scored from halfway, even though Dana was out of the picture. But yeah, they have good squad mix. I like you know they have as you mentioned, Alex, clear squad identity uh, in terms of game plan and and how and what they want to represent as a. As a as a footballing presence, and I almost feel like I've underrated them heading into the year. But yeah, I think they've got. I think with the with how they've built the squad and, and the types of players they've got, they seem pretty set in yeah. what they're going to be able to do. It's St. Pauli that you you start to feel really concerned with if um, you know because Albers was good off the bench. I, he had some really great chances. He had the goal that was taken away in stoppage time for offside and. Um, but yeah, this was the problem they had heading into last season as well. They they bought in a bunch of forwards like Eggestein, Otto, who's not even at the club at the more uh, anymore, uh, and they couldn't replace um, you know uh, Kire. They couldn't replace Borgstaller, and you know even though they've got interesting players, you know it's it's been a pretty slow start for for the whether it's been Afalion, Saad, who I, I really like, uh, Metcalf, who. Is still growing into it, but they've also they added Scott Scott Banks from Crystal Palace, uh, Sinani 
from Norwich who's played bits and pieces. So there's they still don't to me in the in the early phases they're still trying to figure out what their best mix is. But the big thing is up the spine. It definitely seems like they'd need a number nine and they need it urgently. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we all think of clubs like Fürth and Pauli uh, as smaller clubs in the second Bundesliga. They both don't have the same financial possibilities like bigger clubs, like Hamburg, like Hannover, like Nuremberg. Mm. Uh, so they have to find their own identity. They have to find their, their own um, yeah, style of play. And as you mentioned, um, both teams lost a lot of good players uh, over the last years, uh, like Pauli with Burgstaller and Chiré, Fürth also lost a lot of players uh, um, when they promoted to the Bundesliga. So the best players uh, will go away if uh, there will be a successful development. So that's part of their strategy. That's part of their club history. But I really like um, yeah, the strategy both clubs, especially third, uh, will, will take uh, uh, yeah, to to integrate young players, to improve them, to, to develop a clear club strategy. And uh, it's, it's good to see that this is successful. I mean, um, Fürth is uh, the small neighbor to Nuremberg. But in the end, over the last years, uh, Fürth was more su- uh, successful uh, um, as Nuremberg. And uh, that's the way we like football. Everything is possible. If you work hard, if you have a clear strategy, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you see that uh, Fürth is successful with this way, and uh, the development of Pauli, especially uh, in the last uh, months after Fabian Hörzler is getting coached, is amazing, and hopefully he can uh, get that way on. Uh, and in the end, both teams uh, will not promote, in my view, but. They are good enough to play a good re- uh, season and uh, yeah, to improve their performance. It will be fascinating as the season goes on. We should wrap it up. Alex, it's, it's been great to talk football with you. Honestly, we could probably go on for another 10 hours, but I'm not sure how much voice I have left. It's been a real privilege. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it was very nice. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, great uh, to do it again once more, perhaps in the future. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Without question, we'll have you back anytime. Uh, we'll be back on next week, hopefully on the Monday, to discuss all of the action from match day four. We wish you a fantastic weekend of Spider Bundesliga football, and we'll see you next time when the Spider Bundesliga returns.